Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Chomping at the bit, he's looking at the clock and he's telling me, "Hey, spe- speaking of which, but but we're not looking at the clock actually. Can you get me the iPad? It's either in my purse. I think it's in my purse. Oh my gosh, we need our iPad. We don't live without our iPad here. We are of course 
playing the Jezebels for you here. And yeah, I'm letting a little bit more of it play than usual. Why? Because if you go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, you'll see one of the top links is the Jezebels. And the reason I have that is because they are commencing their North American tour. And as I understand it, you could still get tickets at some of the dates. So definitely go check them out. It's at thejezebels.com. And I've got that link, like I said, at my blog at don'tletitgo.com where you can find all the program notes for today's show. So here in the chat room, they were telling me I, I was kind of blasting you guys out. Maybe I was playing the, the music a little we, bit too loud we earlier. We hear it. I mean, we heard it fine. We hear it fine here, but I think that there's a certain amount that just kind of uh, oversaturates. That's, that's the word I use. It used to be that you would oversaturate a tape uh, if you you know, inputted sound into it too loud. If you tried to record at too high a level, you would oversaturate the tape and that everything would get kind of leveled out at the top parameters and it would sound like static and horrible. So there's something analogous that goes on in the digital realm. I don't even know what the term is for it, but I think I was just playing the music too loud, promoting the Jezebels too much. Maybe the wiring? I don't know. I don't think it's the wiring because then they said when I turned it down that the static went away. Okay. So that's good. John Kenny in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says, chirp. <laughs> hello, hello. We've got Freedom Breeze, Mark Brombacher's over there, Rob Abiera. Thank you, Rob, for all the links that you sent me this week. Stuart Hayashi is there as well. Good to see everyone showing up. As I said, go over to my blog at don'tletitgo.com to check out all the stories that we ambitiously plan to try to discuss today got a lot over there and, and some clips that I'd like to play from the Snowden interview as well. Uh, I tried to listen to it and I, I couldn't. What do you mean you couldn't? To the interviews. Uh, oh, because of what's his name? You don't, you don't like him? Or? No, 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 oh. no. Well, the guy stinks, Brian Williams, but I'm talking about the website. They wouldn't let me listen. Aww. So hopefully you can have a soundbite here maybe. Okay, okay. Well, we're going to... Let me just discuss it. It's fine. We're about to go into the show proper, so... Hang on for a couple seconds, everyone, and we'll see you on the other side. This is the May 30th, 2014 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. That's the philosophy that upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. My name is Amy Peikoff. I've got in the studio with me, as usual, cartoonist Bosch Faustin. Say hello. Hello, everyone. So today, we are asking the big question... Are you on the NSA's list? And what list am I talking about? I didn't even know that such a list existed. I thank 
Rick Wilms, who is a regular listener to the show and who posted the link to this story over at the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook. So thanks, Rick, for doing that. It's a story that was published at unitedliberty.org this week, and the headline is, Glenn Greenwald is about to release a shocking list of Americans Obama's NSA has targeted for unconstitutional spying. That's uh, definitely a revelation. So I don't know who's... Specific individuals. Who who is doing unconstitutional spying? I don't know. Um, What do you mean? Oh, no, I know what it is. They they are unconstitutionally spying on those people. But this this is a poorly constructed headline. First of all, first of all, if you go over and and, you know there was another story this week and I didn't put it in the links to the show today, but there was a story. Well, the government is engaged um, in unconstitutional spying. Right, right. But the New York Times had a typo in one of the headlines on the front page of its newspaper. Every single source now is doing that. It's really annoying. It's, from from blogs to major papers, it's very annoying. So over here at United Liberty, it's about release, not about to release. Of course, your mind will fill in the word that you want, which is Naturally. why it's hard to catch these typos. The person who but wrote their the job headline. is to make it right. I mean, their job is to get it ready. So Glenn Greenwald is going to release this, and then yes, uh, it's not that they've targeted them for unconstitutional spying. The NSA is unconstitutionally spying, spying. on some list of Americans. And we all want to find out, and are we on the list? I'll be upset if I'm not on there, honestly. Consider my work? I mean, come on. I mean, really. We know that they visited, well, I don't know about the NSA, oh, but different departments of government a, have visited your website. Of them, and regularly, and I have their IP numbers, which is good, just yeah, as backup. You know, I don't even know. It's funny. Most of the time, I think they just plow in and they tell you who they are. Uh, it's, well, well, I think they have to by law. If they that wanted their, to, their, yeah. their system is actually, it's, it's a government web, you know, IP address. There's a lot of and things. And it has but, the name specifically, the, the Department of Defense. Right, right. The NSA, the this, yeah. And, that, I, and, I, and I've seen some of it at my NHS. blog as well. I've seen some of it at my blog as well. Not as much as on your blog. But anyway, it's, it's interesting. I, I would imagine that I would be on such a list also because I was teaching at the Air Force Academy right. before – and I've got all my crazy views, and I sometimes follow Tammy Bruce's fearless lead, and I tweet Barack Obama things out yeah. on Twitter, so I'm sure I got I on a list also. for that reason. Who knows? I don't know if they would consider me worthy. I think it used to be that Ayn Rand said something like, if the government realized that they actually needed to look at objectivists as some sort of something they should be interested in and, and as somebody who's going to challenge their programs, then we're halfway winning. Right. That's true. Right? And and we know we're winning because oh, yeah. more and more you see references to Ayn Rand by yeah. some of the worst Absolutely. politicians. I mean, they had to ask Barack Obama in the Rolling and, Stone interview uh, whether he'd read Ayn Rand and even, he had to talk even about Mitch it. McConnell. Exactly. Yeah, I have that as a link to the show right. this you know, in this week. So, anyway, uh we know that they are starting to catch on to the fact that objectivists are uh, Kind of a force to be reckoned no with. Better, out and there. No, nobody has a better argument against uh, governments, against big government, than than rent. Nobody has identified altruism as. Uh, the moral argument in favor of individual rights is going to trump all eventually, yeah. if we have enough time and enough freedom to spread it that's out. All, there. And that's why to get someone like a Ted Cruz, no matter what uh, you know, hardcore objectivists oppose him because of uh, religion, you have to stop. You have to slow it down. He can slow it down. 
He can he can stop it entirely in his administration, but he can slow it down. Right, right. Now go over to my blog, everyone, at don'tletitgo.com. Check out the list of all the stories we want to talk about today. Call me if you're listening here live at Blog Talk Radio, 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. You could tell me why you're going to be on the NSA's list, why you care, whether you're on the NSA's list. We're going to talk something about that. We're also going to talk about Snowden because the first thing that I saw this week as I was getting back into Facebook world, I have a friend on Facebook by the name of Ed Maslish, and he posted a blog post by Peter Schwartz, an objectivist Peter Schwartz, who I think is really good on a lot of issues, and I'm really looking forward to his new book on altruism. It's called a, The Tyranny of Need. Tyranny of Need. It's an excellent title. Very good. And it's necessary. We need to get altruism out there. Definitely. We need to pose it in a big way. But then this week, he yeah. posted a blog post in which he condemned the NSA's unconstitutional spying programs, and yet at the same time, he condemned Snowden. And in, in fact, he said that what Snowden did was worse well, just... than what the NSA did. So I felt that had to be answered, and so that's how I started out my week this week after the long weekend with Memorial Day, et cetera. And if you go over, you know, you can find the link, like I said, on the program notes for today's show. But this is just a post at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. And I'm there responding to Snowden. Just coincidentally this week, we got to see the big NBC interview, the first interview of Snowden by an American TV outlet. And you said you actually couldn't listen to it. I literally could not watch it. It just it it kept doing the whole uh, what do you call that with the, the ads? No, well the ad, no doubt, but then the waiting and waiting and waiting, buffering, it would not go through. I was hmm. a little bugged. I mean, well, I, I want to watch it. I've got a couple clips from the interview that I've picked out to play, but I highly recommend that people go over there. One link that I did post from my blog is the link to the place where you can actually see the interview. In chunks, but from beginning to end, so they'll say, you know, part one, part two, part three, whatever, up to part six. What I had spent a lot of time watching earlier in the day before I found that was discrete snippets in which the, you know, NBC had kind of headlined it and said, here's Edward Snowden talking about why he's a patriot. Here's Edward Snowden talking about how many documents he actually took. Here's Edward Snowden talking about Putin and Russia. Here's, you know, he wants to come back. Different discrete you know discrete topics and we'll play a couple of those but you can also watch on NBC's website the interview from beginning to end if you missed it the other day and if you want to form an opinion about whether you think this guy is a hero or a traitor and I see this debate going on very avidly still on Facebook yesterday and today on that thread of Maslish which is well over 200 comments by now I think watch the interview <laughs> and cuz part of this is just good old-fashioned, you're the jury member, and you're judging witness credibility where he's testifying on his own behalf, and you have to decide, does what this guy says make, say make how sense? How he says it. How, how does he say it? Is he credible? And to me, he comes across very straightforward. He's confident, and yet I don't see him as all weird and full of himself. He talks repeatedly about doing things, quote, for the public good that aren't going to cause harm. But he's talking about it in this context. At the same time, he says unapologetically that he refuses to go walk into a prison 
Absolutely right. to so-called prove something. But, so he's uh, not sacrificing. But John Kerry said, you know, man up, you know, face it, as in come here, yeah. come here to prison. I've got a, because I've got, because that 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 that's that's manhood right there, right? Right. I've got a clip of his as well. Imbecile. I know that people here in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio are talking a little bit about Jay Carney resigning. His Obama's lie hole. I guess he's lied out. He's just exhausted. After three or four years of lying, he's like, I can't tell another lie for a month. month. Again, I keep going back to that observation where they're saying that it was uh, that that Benghazi was was so long time ago, ago. a long time ago, and how exhausting (laughs) it is when you're trying to cover things up. So I'm amazed that Carney had enough endurance to last as long as he did, actually. You know, he's lying down now. And what's going to be the difference if they have somebody new who takes his it's place? It's a new liar. It's, it's a new, yeah. fresh liar who's not lied out yet. So, so he'll be there for another two years. You know, you know on, the, on the, I guess if I was doing a daily show, I'd probably make more out of it than I would now. But, I mean, I just don't see much significance in the fact that no, he resigned. Not. So what? Yeah, not, you, not know, a, you know, I mean, they said something like he, he used to be a journalist, maybe see, and now he's a mouthpiece for Obama. What's the difference? I mean, really? He went, you know what I mean? He went from being Obama's mouthpiece as an ABC journalist, quote unquote. Right. Now he's an actual Obama mouthpiece. Now he's not, so he'll go back to being an unofficial Obama mouthpiece and get paid. I mean, same same crap. Right, right. So let's go ahead and dive in because I really think the Snowden stuff this week is big, and it still remains to be seen. I I love one one of the things I disagreed with on NBC. I like most of what they did with the Snowden interview, but one of the things they said. Well, what is the effect that Snowden has? And it's too early, I think, to judge the long-term effect of what Snowden did is going to be. And part of it we're just starting to see because here's Greenwald. He just is releasing his book. I think he just released it this week. I know Napolitano, I think, read it on Memorial Day and posted a review about Greenwald's book. Greenwald is starting this new project, which is the subject of the story that Rick Wilms gave to me. He's, he has a new website. It's going to be called Intercept, and it's at this new Intercept location that they're going to publish this list of all the people that the NSA is targeting. And now he's a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist. And it's, it's, it's interesting because um, Snowden, I mean, he seems pretty humble because he was basically saying that um, the New York Times, remember when the New York Times came out pretty early in favor of Snowden and in favor of the journalists who were publishing yeah. the pieces. And now there have been journalistic prizes given to the various journalists who've been involved in publishing the Snowden trove of uh, papers. And Snowden says it's vindication for the efforts of the journalists. He didn't even say it was vindication hmm. for himself. So I when I when I look at this, I mean, he could be really a good actor. It's possible, but I don't see this guy as full of himself. Another reason, another thing he talked about is he said, "Well, I didn't do an interview with a major American TV outlet sooner because he said I wanted a certain amount of time to pass for people to talk about the substantive issues and for it not to be about Snowden Excellent. himself." Excellent. Very good. And, I mean, he said that before. But I think it's proven in the fact that he didn't do a major media splash interview. And that is noticeable because he was accused now. of being uh, trying to be a quote-unquote rock star by people like uh, like uh, Greg Guffield. Remember that? Right. He tried to be a rock star. Really? Yeah. No, he's been out of sight in a lot of ways. Right. Right. So that's a that's a good point to bring up. Yeah. Well, let's let's um start at the beginning, so to speak, and I want to go to 
the Peter Schwartz, because this is what I ended up with at the beginning of this week, having to face. And, and Schwartz quote, uh, questions Snowden's motive. He said that basically Snowden was not acting as if he was someone who was committed to the individual's right to be free from a coercive state. There's a few and our government that, uh, is is committed to that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. All our, the time. Our government is. Yeah. Rule of law. You know. Going through all the proper procedures? No. Not we were made aware of this because of Edward Snowden. Right. right. That's it. And, and th- what I'm happy to say is I wrote this, this response on Tuesday, and then only later, of course, got to see Snowden's interview. And everything that I read or listened to, excuse me, in Snowden's interview buttresses yes. the arguments that I've made here. Of course, I've heard Snowden speak on these various topics before, so I had an idea. It wasn't like I was just writing out of thin air. You know, again, we're all making a judgment based on our context of knowledge with respect to Snowden. Anything that we've read, what we know about what he's done, what he said when questioned in certain ways, everything that he said in the interview, to me, supports what I've said in this piece with Peter Schwartz. I don't think there's not a thing. If anything, um, there's one little bit of the interview that came across as better than I expected mm. with respect to Snowden. And what it, was it, that? it's uh, Snowden on foreign policy. Okay. Uh, a little bit that he said about See, 9/11. the one I wanted to watch was the one about 9 11. I could not watch that. I'm going to play it for you. Excellent. I'm going to play it for you here. So this is good stuff. So, uh, you know, one point that Schwartz made was that Snowden stole over a million classified documents. First of all, it is only, I think, the NSA and the government that has thrown out this 1.7 million document number, yeah. although Snowden asserts, and I've never seen anybody refute this, that the government is so lousy with respect to keeping a hold of this, these documents, keeping them secure, that the government is not actually fully aware of everything that Snowden got. So the, yeah. the number's almost out of thin air, according to Snowden. Um, the other thing that you have to think about, so, first of all, you know, suppose he stole more documents, unquote, stole, yeah. stole more documents than were, than were needed for him to achieve his objective of exposing these rights violating surveillance programs. First of all, I mean, he's he's taking them really quickly on the fly. It's a a stealth thing, right? So he's only got a few minutes. So I'm imagining, you know, Jack Bauer on 24, where he's trying (laughs) to upload a document the other day or whatever. I'm not going to say more than that. But you've got only a a certain number of minutes and you're trying to download a document onto a USB drive or however it is that he was doing it. And what are you going to do? You're going to, oh, I'll pick this one and then I'll just pick this one. No, no, no. You download a whole directory of damn documents and then you say, okay, I'm going to sort them out later. Then you're packing up, you're leaving your family without saying goodbye, you're on the run, you go to, you know, Hong Kong or whatever, and suppose you've got 1.7 million documents or whatever. You haven't yet even been able to begin to skim through them, but you're having to immediately contact journalists because you know they're going to track you down, they're going to find you. And you've got to get them into somebody else's hands quickly as well. He's, you know... Under tremendous time pressure, I think as far he's as very I, conscious about what he's doing, also yeah. he knows full well he has to get the hell out of here. So if he stole more documents than he had to in order to 
he get the job done. He could sit back and pick and choose. <laughs> okay, what's the Yeah, I don't think that reveals any improper motive at all. Just something also, those who accuse him of not going to the proper channels, the existence of this program tells him he can't, there are no proper channels. You remember? Well, the existence of those programs tells him, that. i got to get out there of here. There is that, but see, in the interview, he talks about that as well, and he says, he did go through the proper channels, and he did it two different ways. Yes, but First of all, he says the NSA has in their possession currently now emails from him, and he named the particular officials to whom he sent the emails. There were at least two different high-ranking officials to whom he sent emails expressing concerns about the way in which the NSA had interpreted the laws, giving them the, the authority to do whatever they thought they were able to do. And, and they confirmed to him, though, that they weren't going to do anything about it, that they were going to continue doing what they did. Exactly. And, and then, that's what he said, okay. Right. And then the other thing he said he did is he talked to colleagues and he talked to supervisors and he said, hey, look, this is what we're doing and it's wrong. And the colleagues and supervisors uniformly said to him, well, I think you're wrong. You're right that this is a, a bad program, but don't rock the boat. Yep. They're going to get you. Yep. Better just to lie low. And to a man, all the different people that he talked to basically said, don't, don't reveal it. Uh, Stuart in the chat room over here, he's, he's questioning my use of the word stole. I'm using the word stolen. I mean, he, he stole them. Um, but he says, he says, they, no, he says they refer stole, to it as stolen. And stolen. That's, that's and fine. he says stole from a party that has zero respect for the Fourth Amendment and by extension zero respect for your right to private yes. property against unreasonable searches and seizures. And he stole, yeah. you know, they stole this this information. I mean, our government, they did it illegally. That, that's the whole point. But, you know, the, the perversity is that according to today's law, the government possesses those documents legally. And all of the program and everything is, they say, legal for them to do. And there's probably interpretations of the law according to which that's right. And you can at the same time say that Snowden stole those documents. And Snowden will say, yeah, I stole those documents. But They stole freedom. But, <laughs> you know, one of, the, one of the things that Snowden has said in a couple interviews now is that there are times in history, and this is one of them, in which doing what is right doesn't necessarily mean doing what is legal. Seven says here in the chat room, sometimes there's not a quote-unquote proper way to fight for freedom. Absolutely true. I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, he, he weighed everything. This guy's a patriot, and he looked at the situation and says, I have to inform the American people because they're sure as hell my colleagues are in on this. Right. So, or if they're not in on this, they're like the moderate Muslims. You know, well, yeah. They're not going to speak up. They're so, not going to stick their neck out. They're not they're, they are in on it I mean, right. by not saying anything. Right, right. If you want to talk about this, call 760-888-5817. Let me get through a couple of the more claims that Schwartz talks about in his piece. He says that when Snowden went to Hong Kong, that he had identified for Chinese officials which of their computers had been penetrated by the NSA. As far as I know, Snowden did nev he never went to any government official of any foreign government and said, here, let me show you the computers that are being penetrated by the NSA here. Um, what he did is he spoke to the Hong Kong press, which I would assume mm -hmm. Hong Kong is a little different than mainland China, and he indicated in general the types of computers that were being searched by the NSA. I still haven't seen any particular citation to that. Uh, Schwartz also talks about cozying up to the rulers of police states. 
you know, here's Snowden. He's criticizing the American government as becoming a police state, and yet he's cozying up to these dictators of police states. And I think Snowden makes abundantly clear in his interview, which is something that he's talked about in other interviews before. This is not new to the NBC interview, that he has had no choice but to wind up where he is in Russia and cozying up to these different states. He put asylum requests. He said he put so many out there, he couldn't even necessarily count how many are out there. Of course, he had lawyers doing a lot of it for him. And he said that the only one, really, that has given him asylum so far, where he had safe passage to get to, is Russia. I don't understand why Russia can't now give him a passport to get him someplace else. The last I heard is that he may actually have a shot of getting asylum in either Germany or Brazil. And either, I think, would be a vast improvement over Russia. I would hope for Germany for him, but I think Brazil would be okay as well. I don't... Brazil, as, as I understand, is a very nice place to vacation. I don't know how amenable it is for living there in daily life, right. but I, I would I would say it's probably still better than Russia. I'd say yeah. Yeah. I was I felt kind of bad for him because he was talking about Russia and how he didn't really necessarily want to wind up there, and he's stuck in Russia for the foreseeable future. And his current asylum, temporary asylum, expires on August first, and if he doesn't have any other offers. He's going to have to ask for a renewal, but he's just straight up about the fact that he didn't necessarily want to be there, et cetera. So I I think that's to his credit as well. Um, The other thing that Schwartz criticizes is green, the choice of Greenwald as the journalist. And I talk about at the blog post, there's some reasons to think that Greenwald is the right person. Um, Snowden, and I think this is going to be in Greenwald's book as well, which I have not read yet, but there's a section of Greenwald's book where Greenwald talks about the length of time where Snowden was trying to find a uh, an ally among journalists. Yep. And he just had to keep going and going and going and trying to find one that would meet with him, that would believe him, that w- agreed with him that what the NSA is doing is is wrong. So I am completely sympathetic with his choice. I say in the post there that I believe that Snowden allied himself with Greenwald for this limited purpose. They both agreed that what the NSA is doing is horribly wrong, that yeah. it violates our rights, and that it must be exposed and that to says something about the American people. That he could recognize that. Exactly. Regardless of where, where you think he, he stands. Right, right. So I, um, no, I, I agree with that as well. So we have to take a short break. We'll be right back. off the beaten path a little there, a little U2, although not brought in as smoothly as I would have hoped. (laughs) 
So um, in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio, we have Alexander the Big One. Thanks for joining us today. And he says, Greenwald has turned out to be a very good journalist and that he's surprised. I agree. I mean, I've been very happy with what I've seen from him so far. Obviously, uh, what, he's, he's some kind of a socialist or something? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know that much about his other views. What I've been watching him is on this particular topic. And one thing that I watched, and I, I put a link to it in that blog post where I was answering Peter Schwartz. One thing I watched was a keynote address. And the keynote address was originally brought to my attention by Craig, who's a listener and, and supporter of the show. So thanks, Craig, for sending it along. But it um, it showed that Glenn Greenwald was talking about the fact that those documents, Snowden came and told him, yeah, okay, here's the documents, but you have very explicit instructions that they're not to release any parts of the documents or any of the documents that are going to result in harm to people. And Greenwald seems to be more of a WikiLeaks-type mentality. And he basically said, he said that, Snowden was cramping his style a little bit. and He didn't say it exactly like that. I'm being very colloquial right now. We're in live talk radio. but He was too scrupulous. Yeah, that, that Snowden had very set criteria about what from those documents should be released. He, Greenwald, disagreed with those criteria and yet respected them out of journalistic integrity. And that's the only way to no, no. get the continued acclaim that a journalist sticking his neck out like this would deserve is to continue to stick to principles. I assume that when he publishes this list of all the people who are being spied on by the NSA, by the way, you didn't, uh, you didn't get to see this, but the NSA probably did. Bosch, uh-huh. Bosch put a little sticky note over the computer at which actually, you know, I've got another one here. We've got cameras on That's everything true. in this. So we're That's being true. watched from multiple angles. You know, we should have the NSA, do our videos. They should produce our show videos for you guys. That's right. They can get us from all the different angles. It's really, really kind of awesome. So we've got just a few seconds before we go into our show back again. But, Bosh, so far? I guess what? I guess we're going to fall behind. We're going to have to start playing some of these clips from the Snowden interview pretty quick Yeah. after the break here. Um, Why don't you find a song in the meantime? I've got this one, but what do I want to do? Do I want to do this one? Maybe I'll do this one. Too slow. It's too slow. It is. The opening. Oh. It is. It's so good. It is. It's great. Okay. Okay. It starts way too slow. Okay. Well, now you're toast. You ready? No. Here we go. Well, I don't mind this. Okay, the danger with starting with that song is that I would just play the whole song and not talk anymore. So that was Sinead O'Connor. That's good. Um, I discovered Sinead O'Connor, long, long story. 
when I was 19, I managed the Sam Goody's record store. And we got into the, the store. There was a soundtrack that The Edge had done right. for a movie. And I'm trying to remember what the what it was called I again. Don't oh God, I forgot also the did name. Another song with uh, her. It was great. Yeah. So anyway, Sinead O'Connor was on that soundtrack, and so then when her album came out, I immediately started listening to it. So I was an early adopter of Sinead O'Connor yeah. as well, and that song Mandika, of course, was and then a that, really well known. That Prince written song just blew her up. I mean, it really made her into a big nothing star. compares to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's so late. If you didn't get in yeah. on the that Lion and the Cobra, before. then Right. You were a late adopter. And that's why I tell you too, Jezebel's, go to Jezebel's now where you can see a good band in a small venue. Right. Yeah. I have an interview requesting with the Jezebel's. I don't know if I should say that. It's going to jinx it. They're going to say no now. Okay. But I'm hoping I'll get to actually interview them sometime during their tour here because I promote I them all the time. about their politics. And, uh, you know, and this is this is really bad. <laughs> I know nothing about. Them. No, but that's what I'm saying. Just, I know nothing make, about. They make them. excellent sounds, and I think maybe <laughs> just stick to that. If they want to offer anything extra. All right. Okay, let's let's see if there was anything else I wanted to say about the Peter Schwartz piece here. We do have a caller, so I want to take it in a second here. When I was responding to Peter Schwartz, yeah, so I pointed out the fact that I actually liked his choice of Greenwald. That Greenwald demonstrated journalistic integrity in adhering mm-hmm. to Snowden's desires for which d- documents should be released despite under what criteria. Despite his own impulses. Yeah, despite his own ideas that he should be more like a WikiLeaks type mm-hmm. of a, a leaker. The shotgun it off across the, the uh, Internet. Yeah, so I, I really like that. The other thing, um, you know, the fact that Snowden had been a fan of Ron Paul, I don't necessarily blame him. There are some things that Ron Paul has said that are very good. There are mm-hmm. some things that Ron Paul has said in a GOP debate that make you cheer. He's the only one who says, hey, look, government is force. That's what they're using when they're doing it, right? Um, And then he says something insane about Islam and the enemy, just stupid about us. Right, right. But then, you know, he just, I don't know, he he says some things that are great. But Snowden also was a specialist, and Ron Paul was very good on privacy issues, as is his son Rand Paul. So I don't necessarily blame him for that, but the, this is the thing, too. What you've got to look at is you've got to look at everything that Snowden has done in this context. And I have not seen anything that Snowden has said with respect to what he's doing about leaking these documents or said with respect or done with respect to it that is anything other than what a rational person would do in Snowden's context no. when you have reached the decision that the only way to fight these unjust programs, and these are horribly unjust NSA spying programs, the only way he decided that he would be able to combat them, to make our country back into something like what it was, is to release the information to the general public via the press. Once you decided that, all the steps that he took along the way, I think are fine. There's one caveat. Some people think that Snowden needs to martyr himself in the process. And John Kerry is among those people. Man. Even Greg Gutfeld and John Bolton oh. are among those people, right? I don't know. Greg Gutfeld may change his mind from what some people in the Blog Talk Radio chat room were saying over here earlier. Andy Levy has been 
arguing in favor of Snowden, and I think he hosted the show last night. Oh, and he's said also some, he's a libertarian, so he's dead wrong in some things, but some some things he's right. That's right, that's right. But he's better on Snowden, so maybe he's yeah. going to have some effect on Gutfeld. I don't know. But also, everything that Snowden is doing really it challenges his critics' position on him. Big time. Every time he says something, every time he has these interviews, every time he he states his actual position, he counters their their you know complete dismissal of him as some Russian spy. What I urge is all the people that were you know I saw them on Facebook all talking about you know Snowden's no hero and blah blah blah. And then some of the people who were saying that that they question whether Snowden is a hero say that they have not watched that NBC interview. You have no excuse. No. Button your lip about Snowden. And what his motivations are, whether you think he's a hero, a traitor, blah, watch the interview and then be judge, jury, whatever. That's fine. We've got a call, and I want to go ahead and take it over here. Hi, who's this? It might hello? be me. Yes, Hi. Hello? Who is, hi, who are you? Uh, this, is, uh, this is Rick Wilness. Oh, great. So, Rick, I, thank I, you I, for sharing that document on the Don't Let It Go on Her page on Facebook. No problem. I was glad to see that you uh, wanted to talk about it. <laughs> Not only did I want to talk about it, I don't know, I think I want to get involved in that project myself, but we'll see if they would have an objectivist along with them. I mean, I don't know what their ideological constraints are, but if they want a fellow traveler on this issue, somebody who can challenge them a little, then they need me. So. Yeah. Well, I don't have the link right now, but the, I did find uh, the intercept that uh, – Greenwell was talking about. There is a uh, a website already available, and I've been reading some of the uh, the articles there. And uh, along the lines that you're saying, I think uh, uh, Greenwell is doing a good job of reporting this. And it's kind of uh, I, I guess I could say disheartening that they're attacking the reporter for reporting on on a story. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I mean, and that and that is what he's doing. And moreover, it is such a crucial story because think about this. I mean, the one of the stories that you shared with me was this one about the fact that he's going to publish a list, a list of Americans the NSA is targeting for surveillance. And I mean, what would you do if you were on that list, Rick? Well, if I was on that list, um, I would change what I'm doing. You know, you would be thinking, well, I mean, okay, how, every how, time. How would you change it? How would you change it? Well, I'd just be thinking about every time I pick up the phone or log in to uh, get it. Like you said, you get on my iPad. What am I looking at? What am I searching? Uh, if you listen to that uh, interview of uh, with Snowden on NBC, he even revealed the fact that the NSA has the capability to anticipate your thoughts by watching your keystrokes and watching when you uh, make an error, change what your thought process is. That that was the stuff that was in that interview that was like, okay, if, if I'm on this list and they're watching me, you know, maybe I'm going to walk down the street a little bit different way just because they're watching my patterns and movements. You know, that, that that's the type of thing that, that concerns me. Definitely, definitely. I mean, here's the thing, you know, over uh, at my blog at DontLetItGo.com a while ago, I made a post about Attack Watch. Do you remember Attack Watch? I don't. Okay, so Attack Watch was this funky little, um, basically a, a website, 
And what they wanted you to do is they wanted you to report to, to them. To rat out on fellow Americans who were being critical. Oh, of right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, okay. And, and so basically it was just a little microcosm. It was just a very small taste of what we now have all learned about the NSA, which is that we're all being watched all the time. Right. Right. Um, this this was just one little case of well somebody might rat you out for being critical of Obama and then you're going to end up on some list and they're going to be watching you, and oh yeah Bosch has also got a post over at his blog at foston.blogspot.com and it's uh, attack watchdogs. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, it was something yeah because that's what they were doing basically anyone who's speaking out against us right. watch them right and and so here's the thing right you know maybe. You say wholeheartedly, yeah, I'm going to change my behavior if I know that they're watching me. There might be people who, you know, have already thought about this and they assume that they're being watched and they say, no, I'm going to continue and I'm going to go on what I'm doing well, some, anyway. Well, some people might amp it up. I think I might. Yeah, some people might amp it up. The, the point is, is that depending on your personality, you're going to react differently to it. But you're going right. to change your behavior and your thought process some in some little way. Whether it's more and, so or less so. And I mean, and you're going to change it in reaction to this implication, right? The implication is that if they're watching you, then that means what you do or what you say or what you're searching for online or whatever is relevant to them in some way. Now, what that means is that means that they might take some action based on what you're going to do and what you're going to say. And that sort of implies that something that you do or something that you say is going to get you in trouble, that it doesn't meet whatever their predetermined standards are. And you're going to infer that whatever the standards are that are going to get you in trouble are going to have something to do with what Michelle Obama or Barack Obama or all of his flunkies in his administration, whatever they're saying out there, whatever the current public message of the day is, if you're a person who is vocally espousing the opposite of what Obama and his flunkies are doing, you're going to assume that that's the kind of thing that's going to get you in trouble, that the IRS is going to, you know, uh, audit you at a rate that's higher than everybody else. You know, they already showed that this is happening. So you assume the government is forced, as Ron Paul, you know, had reminded us before, but we don't need Ron Paul as objectivists to know this. We're just happy to see somebody just kind of point to the truth. But the government, all it can do is apply force and if it's going to think that somehow it needs to apply force against you because of something that you do or say if that's kind of implicit there in the background and that's all we can be thinking if they're watching us they're watching us presumably because it's relevant that they're going to do something about what we're doing and saying right. it's going to cramp our style a little bit there's some kind of modification that, amp that we're going to make cramp or amp <laughs> right it'll it'll amp but, style it might cramp mine a little I'll have some more Muhammad yeah. cartoons as a daily thing. But it, also, if 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 they do start listening or they are looking at me and they are on the list, then that that goes back to what you're saying at the beginning of the show. Then obviously my thoughts and actions are having an impact, and yeah. so that that would be a good thing. Exactly. Is that oh sure. hey who's this, right. who's this Rick Wilmus guy out on the internet right. talking? We need to look into him. And and yep. then that tells me that we're winning. Yep. Just like You're on uh, right track. all, yeah. just all the the controversy over what Snowden's doing. It's actually created a dialogue that most people up until Snowden didn't know about or were, were ignoring. And and now it's people are talking about it. They're concerned and they're looking into it more. So I would say um, 
in that respect, uh, Snowden is, is winning. And uh, as things go forward, I'm sure uh, based on that interview, he, he came across as a smart, articulate guy. He and Greenwald probably have things planned, like this list of releasing more stuff. So um, it's definitely going to be an interesting summer, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think it is going to be, and I'm I'm very grateful for it because I think – as we've seen in the past with so many other horrible things that our government has done or failed to do that the American public has a short attention span. And so to keep up with, you know, very important revelations, if they can keep up this pace and with, you know, a million documents or whatever, there's got to be a lot of good stuff in there. I think there's a good shot of keeping the pressure on the politicians keeping the issue at the forefront of the minds of Americans so that something can actually be done. Did you have something to add, Bosch? Just one thing also about the reintroduction of the, of the word uh, traitor and treason being thrown around to a guy who's not that. Look our at, look our at, government look, is treasonous. Our government there. has betrayed us. Mar- Mark Brombacher in the chat room over here at, at yeah, Blog Talk Radio yeah, yeah, the said that Trump, Trump, Donald Trump just posted that uh, Snowden is a traitor and a disgrace. He said, make no mistake, he is no hero. In fact, he is a coward who should come back and face justice. You know what? Trump, you are a disgrace. Yes, and what, and, and, and what you're doing now, Donald Trump, is you are acting completely he's, consistently with the guy who uses eminent domain to steal property from innocent Americans. Shame on him. Anyway, continue, Bosch. No, that's all. Just just this, this – because uh, tra- tra- you know, treason, traitor has been basically – non-existent for, for decades. I mean, it really has. They, you know, the left always tries to call the right wing. But what, what I'm saying is that this guy does not deserve it. He doesn't. Uh, the guy at Fort Hood, that's a traitor. That is treasonous. That is, an, you know what I mean, an attack on us. But no one used that word against him. So, so Rick, you watched the whole interview? I did. Yeah. I, um, and, and your thought and was I've, that he was, he was very credible? I think so, based on what I, what I saw. Um, uh, keep in mind it was I guess the interview was five hours total and so they took an hour of that process so I'd be interested if uh, they're going to do like a follow up because they have five hours of, of tape of, of what he um, said with Brian Williams but uh, based on what he said and his actions and until all the people that are detracting against Snowden have evidence and proof that he's lying up there, and that's we all have to take that into consideration. Right. He's a trained spy. He can he could be up there lying. Um, well, and even even other- he even even he said that everybody has to kind of keep their mind open to, for instance, the fact that or not the fact, but the possibility that some of the documents that have been released have actually caused harm. Right. He's, he said, we have to be open to that idea. And he says, I personally, if there is evidence that they have caused harm, I would like to know this. And we have exactly. heard, you know, we, we've heard administration officials, I think mm-hmm. Alexander was saying something like, you know, Snowden has done this damage. Yeah. And, and, and he'll say, we have concrete evidence that the terrorists are changing their modus operandi or however he puts it. And 
he doesn't then cite the concrete no. evidence. He says they have it, but he hasn't cited it. And nobody's seen that. James Dahl in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says, can anyone of Snowden's detractors point to any incident that occurred that put any American's life or property in danger? No. And if they could, they would. Right. Yeah. There'd, there'd, be, there'd be articles across the web. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's what I think that we need to see, you know, as a result of the release of this information. Now, what I do in my blog post when I'm answering Peter Schwartz is I actually go a bit further. And I say, okay, let's assume for the sake of argument that there has been some harm done. And I, I'm totally willing to accept this idea that, look, there's been some of the technologies that the NSA used have been exposed and that terrorists have been able to change their methods of communication, try, you know, try to get around this in some way. Suppose that's true. What I would say is so be it because whatever level of security that we had with the NSA using these methods that they're using inappropriately against Americans, they forfeit their ability to say that we're entitled to use that. We are not entitled to use this if it's something that's being used against all Americans. And the, the fact that they are using it against all Americans without particularized suspicion, they're using it against broad swaths of people without particularized suspicion, that means they don't have the right to use it. And so any level of security that we had, which, again, is debatable, it's, it's highly debatable, but assuming that we did have some higher level of security before these were exposed, we weren't entitled to that anyway. And if it, if it is necessary in order to get rid of this unjust program for these to be exposed and for us to use a little, lose a little bit of security, then so be it. And, and Snowden implied this a little because he talks about the issue of the so-called security state. You know, what is a security state? And a security state is a state that puts security above everything, including the rights of the people. Yeah. And he says, I don't believe that America has been or should be that type of a state. And this is one of the reasons that he did what he did. And I, I think that's exactly right. So you say, okay, there's been some harm. First of all, we haven't seen actual concrete evidence. We've seen assertions of concrete evidence from some administration or military officials, but I haven't actually seen it. Second of all, if there is some minor harm that makes our you know, intelligence agency's job a little harder, they deserve it. I'm sorry. And uh, the ones who sat by and weren't willing to speak up like Snowden did against this injustice, I think, okay, your job's a little harder now. That's yeah. At, at one point on that, okay, if there is any harm done, my my response to that, way, and you provide con- concrete evidence on that, okay, the, the harm has been done because you released that evidence. But look at how much money the NSA's budget is compared to what others else spending we're doing. Based on our, you know, economy and our budget problems within the government, how does right. that concrete harm compare to the harm that we're spending all this money on monitoring our citizens? I mean, to me, that cost of, I think I saw one quote of $75 billion, that is a, a cost and a harm that we're, we can't even pay for. Right, um, and, and, they, and, and they can't point to any particular yeah. terrorist attacks that it's helped to foil. They say, remember they said there was uh, about 50. They said, can you give me a list exactly? Well, we don't, we'll bring it well, next time and, and we'll do this and, and BS. And, and think about we, this. We can't you know, give you that because it's classified information. Right. That would be their response. 
That's right. Think think about this, this uh, you-know-what from Santa Barbara this past weekend, okay? A horrible person who I don't want to talk about. You can read Daniel Greenfield about him, and, yeah. and he says a very a good crap. piece. Um, but why couldn't the NSA see, okay, this guy posted this video on YouTube, and it threatens violence, and then boom, they're after him. That's the kind of stuff that we need. Why don't they just monitor and dissect and, and use a voice analyzer or whatever on those YouTube videos and say, look, this guy's threatening violence on something that is publicly available versus gathering all of our private phone calls and text messages and whatever. They should not be focusing on that stuff. There's ample warnings but out there. But Sarnet Brothers from, also yeah, exactly. in Boston. The, go, go to the publicly available stuff and scan it as, as much as you want. Any last words, yeah. Rick? I'm going to play a couple clips from Snowden here. Um. I, I can't think of anything. Um, I, I do look forward to to that list, and I'm sure you'll talk about it in the future. So maybe Definitely. I'll call back in then. Okay, great. Thanks okay, for calling, thank Rick. Uh-huh. I know I, I know that Rick has listened and posted in reaction to the show before, but I don't think he's ever called. So no, thanks cool. for being a first-time caller here. Now, what I want to do is I want to give you a little clip from the NBC News interview, and it is something that I thought, well, I'm not going to say anything more. It's, it's on September 11th. I'm going to play this video, but I'm going to try to do it in such a way that I save you from a 30-second cool. ad with little blue bears. This and, is Edward Snowden on 9-11. Yeah, and, you know, earlier today when I was watching these little clips, you had only 15-second ads in order to watch a short clip, which I thought, okay, I can live through a 15-second ad. But here this also says about the individual, you know, amongst his whole crowd, he was the only one willing to put it online and go out there and tell us. It, it, it speaks a lot. Right, it really does. Where, here we go. Where the collector was totally on board. Here we go. I've never told anybody this, uh, no journalist, but I was on Fort Meade on September 11th. I was right outside the NSA. Uh, so I remember... I remember the tension of that day. I remember hearing on the radio the planes hitting. And I remember thinking my grandfather, who worked for the FBI at the time, uh, was in the Pentagon when the plane hit it. I take the threat of terrorism seriously. Uh, and I think we all do. And I think it's really disingenuous for, for the government to invoke uh, and sort of scandalize our memories, to sort of exploit the, the national trauma that we all suffered together and worked so hard to come through to justify programs that have never been shown to keep us safe but cost us liberties and freedoms that we don't need to give up and our Constitution says we should not give up. Bravo. Yeah. Oh, gosh. No, he's a serious... Uh, look at this stupid ass. Thoughtful... <laughs> Individual. Yeah. He, and that's that's what he always comes off as. Yes. You can't fake that. You can't fake that. Um, that's excellent. And if we had more individuals like him in, 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 our, in our government, this, this program would not exist. Well, and notice there that he did not discount the threat of terrorism. Of course as well. not. So I think that that. No, I know. He made, it, he made it clear. That's important. Now, I don't know if we're going to be able to get to this other clip, uh, Snowden, about patriotism. Imagine if Obama let's, was as serious and, and as thoughtful as him. Imagine that. Yeah, I'm going, to try, I'm going to try to see if we can get this other clip, uh, Snowden on patriotism, before the, the break that we have to take at the bottom of the hour. Got the same old ad again. 
we have to get through. Um, but uh, you know, his, his understanding of these issues, I think, is pretty. His ability to articulate it as well. His ability to take his thoughts and really organize them in a very direct way. It's very good. And I think he said that he did not graduate from high school. Is that right? I believe in one segment of this interview that he didn't even graduate from high school. So he's self-educated, highly intelligent, and so far as I can tell, acting in a principled way according to what he thought was important. Do you see yourself as a patriot? I do. You know, I, I think... Patriot is a word that's that's thrown around so much that it can be devalued nowadays. But being a patriot doesn't mean prioritizing service to government above all else. Being a patriot means knowing when to protect your country, knowing when to protect your constitution, knowing when to protect your countrymen from the, the violations of in, and encroachments of adversaries. And those adversaries don't have to be foreign countries. They can be bad policies. They can be officials who you know, need a little bit more accountability. They can be mistakes of government and, and simple overreach and things that, that should never have been tried or, or that went wrong. Okay, we're going to have more about that after the break. This that we've guy got just keeps proving himself. Yeah, definitely. Hold on. Okay, that's some more Sinead O'Connor there, and I'm here in the middle of the break. Amy Peacock flying solo, and I do have a caller here. I just want to just check in and make sure, see if we can hang on until after. Hi, who's this? Hello? You're on the air. Okay, well, I can't hear you right now. Let me know if you're going to be back and you do want to talk. Maybe you took the break as well and thought that I wasn't going to go ahead and answer the phone until 
after the six-minute mark, which is kind of typical. Hey, you're back. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't have anything about Chris Christie today, and yet I want a piece of chocolate. Uh, Chris Christie, I'll say it again for those maybe new listeners, a.k.a. eater eating. You might know what that means. Yeah. You're back. So you're going to bring some chocolate? Yeah. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Stuart in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says that Daniel Ellsberg has an op-ed in The Guardian saying that Snowden would not receive a fair trial. From what I understand, some people fear that if Snowden was to come back, that they would lock him up and make sure that nobody could hear anything from him for a very long time until, of course, everyone forgot. Now, I would count on uh, Greenwell not to... Freebreezer says, uh, I seem better today. I absolutely do. It was a few days feeling really bad. Right. And I'm just just normal, perfect now. Thanks. Yeah, very good, very good. Chris Christie, the, the latest was that he was at some town hall meeting and people were commenting to him at how uh, less fat he is. You know, so you're really, you're, you're less fat than you used to be. I don't know if that's how they put it, but that's how I, I, I read it. And he was so happy to hear that. Less fat than you used to be. Yeah, you're That's, really a, less fat. You know you know what I'd like to do? We've got a couple of minutes here in the break, and I would like to answer a question that I got in email from a show supporter named Adam. So let me go ahead and pull that question up. And it's about the uh, issue of privacy and the third-party doctrine that I talk about a lot. He says, I have a question about the third-party doctrine. He says, does it apply if I have a confidentiality agreement with the party with whom I share data. I'm wondering, for instance, whether a phone company or an internet provider could effectively add a privacy clause to their terms of service." End quote. Now, basically what any privacy agreement that you have with anybody right now says is, we'll keep it private unless the government won't let us. And because of the third party doctrine, the government can require companies internet providers, phone providers, everything, to turn over information without a search warrant. Because once you share information with a third party, according to the third party doctrine, the Fourth Amendment no longer applies. There is no warrant requirement for information that you share with a third party. So it's not a constitutional issue. It becomes a statutory issue. It becomes an issue that's open for debate. Our legislators get to decide how much privacy we have with regard to anything that we share with a third party, regardless of what it says in a contract. And that sucks. So that's my answer, Adam, to that. No, I mean, you can put a privacy clause in there, but all it's going to do is basically they'll say, we'll keep it private unless the government says we can't. And, you know, there's a lot of wiggle room, too. Some of the companies are better at resisting the request for information from the government than other companies. And, of course, those companies are the ones that you want to do business with. So, Anything else? We've got a couple of seconds before the break. Freedom Breeze writes, uh, those terms and conditions that privacy con- uh, contracts are so long, nobody reads them. Absolutely true. That's they, a problem as well. They discourage people to, to look into it because it's just so mind-numbing. That's right. Okay, we're going to go ahead and start our show now, and we'll get into the second hour here.
Hi, this is Amy Peekoff. You're listening to the second hour of the May 30th Don't Let It Go Unheard. And the title of today's show asks, are you on the NSA list? And the NSA list that I'm referring to is one that Glenn Greenwald, the journalist who broke the Snowden revelations, he says he's going to release a list of people that the NSA has targeted for surveillance. Of course, we're all taking a betting pool around here about whether any of us me personally, listeners to this show, whether we're on that list. I'm kind of thinking that we probably are, but who knows. And what we were doing before the break is we were looking at, actually listening to some of the comments from Edward Snowden, some of the clips from him. And just before the break, we were um, looking at this one where he talks about patriotism, the idea of patriotism. And I feel like I should play it again, Bosch, but what was your reaction to Snowden on patriotism? I just uh, I think it's important, and also his distinction is about uh, protecting the country from the government. Right. Protecting Americans from its government. Patriotism from, does not the, be knee-jerk, knee do whatever the government wants. And that's what they try to define patriotism as, from, you know, as jingoism, that's it. No, patriotism is a love of the country as constituted, not who's currently in power and not who's been corrupting the country for the last 100 years. It's what the country means, and uh, he understands that, and he makes that clear distinction. It's important. Right. And it was interesting. I remember Gutfeld was going on this thing for a while about you shouldn't be held to a particular group's standards. He's, or been, he's been fighting putting, uh, being put into a, a corner, I guess, his whole career. And that's, I, I understand the impulse, especially as an artist. But you've got to take a position. You've really got to define yourself at times. Right. So the, does, you know, the idea that you're supposed to have any sort of unquestioning loyalty to any group, whether it's the state, a political party, anything else, forget it. That we are all independent individuals. We have our own minds. There is no group thought. Each no. of us has an individual brain. Figure it out for ourselves. And don't take anybody else's word for it. And this is why I say, again, if you're trying to reach a verdict on Snowden, go watch that interview and pretend you're a member of a jury. Yeah. Do you convict Snowden of being a traitor or do you not? And to me, I say no. The he, benefit he's given us, that's the whole point here. We wouldn't be talking about this if not for him. We would not be talking about this. We would not realize that our government is far worse than we thought it was. This is a, a great thing he's done. So we go from Snowden in the first hour, who we got to listen to and who was very articulate. And what I want to do now is I want to get this clip from Kerry uh, talking about Snowden. And you mean the traitor? Like John Kerry? You mean, uh, sorry, uh, Botoxenstein? Botoxenstein, the yeah. very guy. The very guy. Yeah. So he went on to the Today Show, which I like is the fact that he has to get up super early and suffer going on the Today Show. He put on his mask and, you know. I think they had Rick Baker, some makeup artist, who really tried to make him presentable to some extent. He must have gotten a lot of fillers or something before this appearance. But anyway. Mark Levins calls him mashed potato face. They put mashed potatoes in his, in, his, in his cheeks. Let's listen to what John Kerry has to say about Snowden. John Kerry, Mr. Secretary, good morning to you. Good morning. I want to talk to you about the drawdown in Afghanistan that the president announced yesterday. But let's start with these remarks from Mr. Snowden. And actually, we have a new piece of that interview to play for you this morning. And in it, he basically lays the blame that he is in, in Russia right now squarely on the United States. Take a look. What are you doing in Russia? All right, so this, this is a really fair concern. Um, I personally am surprised that uh, I ended up here. Um, 
The reality is I never intended to end up in Russia. I had a flight booked to Cuba, onwards to Latin America, uh, and I was stopped because the United States government decided to revoke my passport and trap me in the Moscow airport. Uh, so when people ask, why are you in Russia, <laughs> I say, please, ask the State Department. Well, Mr. Secretary, what about it? Does he have a point? He's basically saying, but for the U.S. State Department revoking his passport, he wouldn't be in Russia at all. Well, for a supposedly smart guy, that's a pretty dumb answer, uh, frankly. The idiot uh, says. Uh, look, I'm not going to get into the who he was, what he was. Let me just say this. If Mr. Snowden wants to come back to the United States today, we'll have him on a flight today. We'd be delighted for him to come back. Delighted. And he should come back, and, and that's what a patriot would do. A patriot? A this pa traitor's <laughs> talking about patriotism? A patriot would walk right into a jail. <laughs> into a jail. Yeah. Well, well, we'd be glad to have him come back here and throw him in jail no, and have him never be heard from again. I'm glad that Snowden is completely, he understands this. You right. know, he's like, I'm not going to do that. What are you, an idiot? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Let's patriot would not run away and look for refuge in Russia or Cuba or some other country. A patriot would stand up in the United patriot. States and make his case to the American people. The hatred is talking a about patriot. The patriot would make his case to the American people, and he would assume he's going to get... He is making his case to the American people via he, NBC. He has decided that the only way to make his full case to the American people is via the press. That's it. And I think that that was a judgment that he was justified in, in making. Let's continue with this jerk. Uh, but he's refused to do that to this date, at least. The fact is that, uh, uh, you know, he can come home, but he's a fugitive from justice, which is why he's not being permitted to fly around the world. It's that simple. Have and you, he knows it. Have you softened your stance at all with regard to his alleged conduct here? I, I noticed earlier this year you said that there were disclosures about the NSA made because of Snowden that you yourself were not aware of that constituted NSA overreach. Does that change the calculus at all for you? That's entirely up to uh, the justice system. Uh, let him come back and make... Do you love how he punts there? No. He's not going to make a personal judgment about no. it. It's just all the justice system. Oh, come back and trust the system. Trust the system. What? Trust the system that yep. is overreaching and spying on all the Americans. Just come back and trust us. You say you're a patriot. Unquestioning right. loyalty to the current system, whoever's in power, etc. James in the chat room, James Dulles says something about, imagine if uh, Obama and Democrats are not in power, how they would be treating Snowden. Imagine if John Kerry was not Secretary of State today. They'd he would be a hero for them. Of course he oh, would. Yeah. Huge. Explicitly the greatest Huge. hero ever yes. if it's against some Republican president exactly. in their mind exactly. because they can't make the distinction. But he's making them look bad. Therefore, he's an enemy. Right. You know, that's right. a Right. This case. Uh, the fact is that, uh, you know, he should, if he cares so much about America and he believes in America, he should trust in the American system of justice. But to. <laughs> the reason why he's out there is because there is. Because you can no longer trust in the American system of justice. It is ridiculous. It's, it's ludicrous. It's disgusting. He's hiding in Russia, an authoritarian country. And, and to have just when would he ever he refer really to Russia to as that? Do you hear him there? He says he's in Russia and he's really trying to get to Cuba. C Cuba, he, a country he, a country John Kerry loves. Well, sure, sure. But the point is, is that I know, um, I know. He, he, 
uh, Snowden himself said he wasn't going to stop in Cuba. He was going through Cuba yeah. on the way to some other country in Latin America. But he takes that and he's going to go through the dictatorship. Well, it, well but Car- and Carrie full well knows that. And earlier in the thing, he said, or some other country. Yeah. Now he's just saying, oh, Cuba, you want to go to Cuba. And <laughs> Snow- right. Snowden did not say he wanted to go to Cuba. So he's lying. Yeah. He won't himself make a joke. Oh, do you say you he's like lurching. America? No, you he's say- you say you're a you patriot? Know, he's lurching system. towards patriotism, this leftist. State Defiance in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says, did Lurch ever pay the taxes on his right, yacht right. that he, he was evading? He was parking his yachts elsewhere, I mean, outside of, I think, the bounds of uh, Massachusetts, I think. In order to evade the yeah, taxes? Yeah, exactly. Oh, in my God. In order to evade government taxes, yeah. Uh, big surprise. I mean, what does that tell you, really? Uh, I, I think he's confused. I think it's very sad. But this is a man a who's sad, done great damage guy. to his country. Prove it. Where? Yeah. What? Uh, which he took when he became an employee. And yes. In- okay. So he's talking about uh, he broke his oath when he became an employee as a contractor. What I know is I also took an oath when I worked for the Air Force Academy. And the thing that you are most sworn to uphold is the Constitution of the United States. And Snowden, as you heard him time and yeah. again say, strongly believes that what the government has been doing in the NSA is violating the Constitution. He he did act to uphold the Constitution. And this piece of you know piece of crap Kerry uh, goes to Vietnam for a very short short period, fakes some wounds, gets some Purple Hearts, and goes there and trashes our soldiers and says that they were cutting heads off like Genghis Khan, as he referred to Genghis Khan. He's a traitor, absolute traitor. And of course, he works for the Obama administration. Obama said, "Who is the least um, uh, you know, patriotic person I could put into the Secretary of State position?" Well, and for the big threat to the United States, he's been talking about recently, it's climate change. He said that's the greatest threat in the world. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. I mean, let me see if there's anything else he has to say Back that's worth laughing stole at. Stole an enormous amount of information and released it to the public to the detriment of his country. Sir, let's move Wait, he on. Wait, he, okay. he was describing himself. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he, he again, he brings up the word stole. And I can't remember the exact question that was put to Snowden, but it was something like, you know, you've done these horrible things like stealing, violating the law. And, um, you know, how could you say that basically you're also some sort of a hero or that you're acting to, you know, it, it kind of to, to better the country, that you're acting yeah. on behalf of the country yeah. when you're violating the country's law. And he says it can be both sometimes. You know, again, he goes back to that point of sometimes doing the right thing is not the legal thing. And this is one of those times where he has chosen to engage in civil disobedience to accept consequences in terms of not being able to come back to the United States and live the life that he had before. Yeah. He gave up a lot. Absolutely. I guess he had family in Hawaii. He had that girlfriend, although he doesn't talk about her explicitly. He had a good salary. He was living in Hawaii, which is gorgeous. He did something that John Kerry or Brockman would never, ever, 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 ever have done, ever. And it also brings to to their minds that this guy's a far better man than they could ever dream to be. They would never have done this. And and the other thing he was talking about, he, he said, yes, he does want to come back to the United States, but... He's not doing it, as far as I gather, until he can be sure that coming back isn't going to interfere with, you know, or prevent any good from being done. From getting, you know, because if he, if he comes back now, he thinks maybe that somehow he's not going to stay Can we trade him for Obama? 
Can we trade him? Send Obama to, to Russia? I, what I, one thing I was thinking about is how articulate Snowden is compared to oh, Kerry. Oh, exactly right. And this Car- overeducated imbecile. As uh, James Bell said, Kerry is a kept man. I think he's been married to two billionaire wives. I think two back to back. I mean, that's, it's just pitiful. And now he's our Secretary of State, and all he can talk about is climate change. And we have these. <sighs> and he's also he's, um, a Jew hater, anti Semite. Israel to him is on a, on, on a hit list. That's mm-hmm. the only, only country seems to, to openly criticize besides ours. Anyway, I, I think Kerry made a fool of himself, criticizing well, someone as articulate, calling someone as articulate and intelligent as Snowden pretty dumb. I mean, that's a pretty dumb comment, Johnny. <laughs> it's terrible. So one thing that is we're going to keep looking out for is Glenn Greenwald's new project, which is called Intercept. And there is a link to that. You can Google Intercept Glenn Greenwald, and then, of course, your Google search will be tracked by the NSA. But who cares? Do it anyway. Well, this experience um, changed Glenn Greenwald. I don't know fundamentally, but it, ha- it has changed him, clearly, and has made his position far bigger than it was. Definitely. And, and the question is, is he going to then use it to do let's evil? See. I don't think so far. But let, so, so let, far, everything see. I've seen from him has been excellent on this issue. Um, so he's got a place called the Intercept. And there is where he's going to publish this list. I don't know of any particular time. No one has given a time frame. It's going to be soon. I think part of it is to promote his book. Of course, promoting his book is part of the whole message and getting that message out there as well. So I don't. Well, this is his most complete answer to what's been happening. Also, it's important. The last post that I see here on the Intercept is from the 23rd of May, so it's been a while since he posted there. But it's there that we're going to see the list, and I'm thinking, I think we should we should be on the list, right? Please, I mean, honestly, I I, I will be disappointed. I don't. Think, I've been working hard. Here, here's the other thing, though: they can watch only so many people at once with any sort of. I mean, efficiency. I'm I'm more notorious than him, you know, anything else, but whatever. Anyway, so that's. The whole Snowden, NSA, one thing that you want to look at here is what if you are on this list? If they are looking at you, do think about that issue that I pose over there at Attack Watch. If you're on this list, if you found out that the NSA is watching you all the time, they're tracking your Internet searches and everything else, don't you think you would change, at least in some small way, regardless of how brave and principled you are, there would be some at least minor change in your actions. You would do something different. You would uh, be more yourself or less so. I mean, I think you're right. Um, but what would you be responding to? You'd be responding to the implicit well, threat would, that's I behind would, it. I would uh, post on my blog the fact that I know now that they are explicitly targeting me. I will make a big deal about it. It will be a bigger part of my work. I would draw Muhammad every day. I mean, I would draw Obama, Muhammad every day, so... So you would do more. Elliot, I would do more. Elliot absolutely. Rivera over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio says he'd wear it with pride. It means absolutely. I'm making a difference. If we're on the list, I think we need to have T-shirts or something <laughs> that says we're on the list. Right. Or we can have like a hashtag because everything is hashtag now, right? Yes. So the way that you have a movement, the way you get things done in the world is by doing a hashtag movement hashtag on Twitter and NSA Facebook. NSA is watching me. So, too, yeah, yeah NSA is, I'm on NSA's list, list or yeah. something like that. <laughs> And but the, yeah, the NSA exists for me, you know. And 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 Stuart brings up this issue of the Panopticon, which I've talked about before, which is Jeremy Bentham had this idea of a Panopticon, a prison that would allow one prison mm. guard in the center 
to, you know, during the entirety of his shift, constantly watch a whole bunch of people at the same time. Right. Why? Because the prison would be physically designed so that the prison guard is in the center and that hallways radiate out from that in a circle all the way around and that each prisoner's cell is like at the end of a little hallway so that that, pris- that prison guard can just turn around and in a half second watch anybody doing anything all the time, 24 hours. And that's where we are. We are yeah. in that in terms of, you know, in virtual reality where one centralized government more and more is able to collect and you know, store, retain, run searches on this huge database of all this data about ourselves. This is one of the things that, you know, I'm doing in my book right now. I've got the first chapter, Legalizing Privacy, Why and How. I talk about all the different bits of information that you share, and then you can get an idea of what sorts of picture the government could put together if they integrate all of that. And how do they integrate it? Right now, Obama is integrating databases using the pen and the phone encouraging federal agencies to share information with each other simply through pen and a phone. Get a huge government database, and then you've got a huge picture of what everyone's doing. I'm going to try this caller one more time. Again, if you want to talk about these issues, 760-888-5817. Do you think you're on the list? What would you do about it? Let's see who this is. Hi, who's this? Hey, me. this is Ed. How are you doing? Hi, Ed. How are you? Good, good. Um, I, you know, one of the things I, I liked about Snowden's response was, you know, I've tried to keep out of the spotlight because this isn't about me. And the weird thing about the government uh, in particular is it's always about him. They're, they're trying to do basically a bit giant coordinated ad hominem attack against Snowden rather than to look at the actual facts, you know, the documents, the, the uh, programs and whatnot that were put out. And so, I, I do think it's really disingenuous of anyone, and, and especially somebody like Peter Schwartz and Harry Benzweier, both of whom should know, any, should know better about logical argument, to um, take to the uh, airwaves or print waves. Okay, well, I, and- I want to I dive, dive into this a little bit more with you, Ed. So I understand how an argument by Obama or Kerry or the Greg Gutfelds and the Donald Trumps and the Boltons of the world who are attacking – Snowden and at the same time defending the NSA's program, I can understand where they're engaging in ad hominem because they're basically distracting from the issues of the real issues about the NSA by attacking the man Snowden. However, Peter Schwartz disagrees with the NSA's programs and thinks they're reprehensible. And so I didn't see his argument as being as much of ad hominem. So explain how you think that it was Peter Schwartz mostly attacking the man uh, as opposed to the NSA program? Well, I mean, just take the title of the article. You know, what the NSA did was bad, but what Snowden did was worse. I mean, he, he again, it's trying, it's just trying to deflect attention from the NSA collecting data on Americans and uh, at, to what this person did and I, you know, I don't know. I, I still don't know whether Stone's a, a you know a hero or a traitor. I, but I don't. I think that's a kind of a minor issue considering the the huge violation of the Fourth Amendment that's going on. I mean, that's what people should be up in arms over. And I think that's what every government official is trying to uh, 
is trying to avoid. I mean, I watched a uh, hour-long interview with General Alexander the other day, his former director of the NSA, and it all came back to, well, we need to do this to keep you safe. Well, I could think about a billion things I could do that would keep us safer. I mean, people were astonishingly safe from crime in, in East Germany. I mean, there was no crime in East Germany at all, except that perpetrated by the government. Uh, right. We could put cameras in every we could cameras in every house. We could have uh, drones uh, flying over every city, looking down, right. and surveilling like, it's, everyone. It's, we could and, we could listen and, to everybody's and, conversation. Right, and and and, and, Snow, and and Snowden made that point so well, which is that we are not a security state. We are not, and we shouldn't be, the type of state that puts security above everything else. Yeah, the purpose of the government and the military is to is to protect us. But its primary purpose is to protect the Constitution. That's what they take their oath to. And if I were interviewing uh, General Alexander, and of course no one would ever say this to him, I said, you know, you failed. Now they asked him, you know, you, haven't you read the Constitution? This actually, haven't you read the Constitution? And he says, yes, I have. We're doing, and I've talked to our lawyers, and our lawyers say uh, that everything we're doing is constitutional. Well, of course, you can read the plain text and see that it's unconstitutional. So it's weird that somebody who's pretty smart, like General Alexander, would. Uh, abdicate his own moral responsibility to read the words and try to have his own thing by saying, oh, we've well, got these hard lawyers then, and they say I can but, do it. But, but see, then there's these interpretations of the third-party doctrine and whether or not it applies to the business records, the so-called business records of the phone companies and the Internet service providers and all that. That's the kind of interpretation that he's talking about and so what we really need to do is we need to get rid of that darn doctrine which is what i've been talking about there's a lot of people who are talking about reform out there but the root of this the root cause of this i mean it's basically like a bunch of weeds and you got to pull that whole thing out by the root and not hardly not hardly anyone's talking about that yeah the legal doctrine behind this is um is definitely the third party doctrine i totally agree with you on that you know i'm a big fan of yours and your analysis but the if you talk to the people, you know, who are doing this, and I've seen them on TV, it's all, you know, protect the public, protect the public, protect the public. And somebody has to remind them that, we're, that that's not their job. Their job is to protect the Constitution. And uh, it's, you know, again, if we had a, a proper foreign policy and we would sort of, you know, take the fight to the terrorists, which we did, you know, poorly, but reasonably over the last 10 or 12 years, then the necessity of spying on Americans uh, well, the alleged necessity. I, I, I don't think they ever actually got anything useful uh, about this. Um, right. But the alleged necessity would, would evaporate. Um, the, the terrorists are, are weak and they're, they're divided and they're, uh, um, you know, they're, they're not really a worthy adversary for the United States. You know, they could be just swatted down uh, fairly effectively if we actually went after them. Uh, I agree. They, hey, know, Ed, Ed, would you like to uh... Would you like to hold on over the break? Because we're going into a little break here. We'd like to talk to you some more. Sure. There's one more thing I want to say. So, yeah. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Oh 
Yeah, you're listening to Amy Peacock, who has discovered more and more of her iTunes library and is figuring out how to access it during the course of the show. We've got Ed on hold, and we're going to talk to him after we return after this little commercial break that we're doing right now. Speaking of which, I don't know if you know, but here at Blog Talk Radio, our primary sponsor is Audible, the audio bookseller. And if you are not yet an Audible subscriber, I know many people who listen to my show are already Audible subscribers because they like to educate themselves when they're on the go during their commutes, maybe exercising, etc. If you like to listen to books and you're not yet an Audible subscriber, you can get a free trial and help this show out in the process. You go to audibletrial.com forward slash Amy Peacock. If you can't remember all that, you can find the link to the Audible trial at my blog, the program notes for today's show, go to don'tletitgo.com, and that's pretty easy to remember, don'tletitgo.com, for all the program notes that we have. So how are we doing? Oh, someone in the chat room said, was that Alphaville? No, it was indeed Brian Ferry when he was with Roxy Music. And what I need to find is I need to find a little bit of our actual Brian Ferry because that is some good stuff. It's going to be under in my big uh, thing. Don't you, I have it here? You just bypassed a song that you should have played, We Can Have It by the Deers. I should have played that one? Yeah. Okay, well, what about what about this one here? How about after? How about this one? Woo. Okay, we'll have to play that in a little bit here. But that is uh, that is gold from Brian Ferry. That is Slave to Love. And I, I don't know how many fans and concert goers he got simply because of that one song. Right. Which I mean, I liked a few of the songs, no doubt. Uh, that other one, the album Avalon by Roxy Music, is definitely worth checking out as well. So, But no, not Alphaville. I, I remember some Alphaville, but I don't actually own any Alphaville. Do you? No, I don't think so. No. I know I, I have some Brian, Brian Ferry. So are you listening still to Atlas Shrugged? I am. Yeah? How's it going? I was going to say, I'm listening to the greatest novel ever written. That's how mm-hmm. I describe it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people know. It's great. And the guy... um the narrator, the uh, the guy who's doing the audio, at first I was a little like, I don't know, he sounds too almost pretentious. You know, he's like, well, I believe that. I was like, uh, okay. But as I go on, he's he's pretty good, and he does a good James Taggart. Excellent. Yeah. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. Because I'm not at the moment driving back and forth to L.A. so much, I'm not listening to audio books as much. And I'm listening to some GTD lectures right now, so we can talk more about that in another time. But right now I'm going to give everybody another little taste of some Brian Ferry. See how we do. Uh, yeah, go right ahead. Um, Elliot we, we, says, yeah, uh, we got some people in the chat room over here says, at Blog Talk Radio saying Elliot that said, you've do, got British accent. Was that a British accent? Can Boston right. accents? I could definitely do accents. I even have one uh, for what I'm told. I was born and raised in the Bronx. 
Albanian and English, probably more Albanian than English for a number of years. My parents didn't speak that well. But uh, I did want to be an actor uh, when I was young. Uh, and as, <laughs> as I put it before, I wanted to be an actor when I was young, but I, deci- but I decided to be myself. And that has been the role of a lifetime. Anyway, so you can go on. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I go on, please? Yeah. Thank you. It has been the role of a lifetime. Uh, I got Jonathan Honig to comment here in the chat room by playing a little bit of Brian Ferry. It says it's bringing him back. Uh, we don't we, we don't know how far into what age. But <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we won't make him reveal that because we just don't talk about such things because we're so polite here on this show. Don't let it go on here. So we were talking before the break to Ed, and Ed said that he had one more thing to say about the whole NSA Snowden thing. Hi, Ed. Hello there. How are you? Oh, you, are, are you going to do a British accent for us, Ed? No, I can I, I can only do a Monty Python British accent. You know, that's that, that works. I learned British. That totally works. From, I learned British from Monty Python, so I can do like the parrot sketch or something like that. Um, now. Uh, now I've forgotten because you're talking about music exactly where I wanted to say, oh, yes, I think the ad hominem attacks, I think um, Peter Schwartz and Harry, who, you know, it's it's funny to look at objectivists disagreeing, which there's been such complete uniformity over the years. It's surprising with, with like you and, and uh, Leonard Peikoff on one side of this issue and Harry and Peter on the other side. It's kind of very interesting. Um, but I do think that the... Um, the the essential thing to do is is you know if you listen to Snowden that's fine and that's perfect but focus on you know what was disclosed that you know our emails are being well right captured, right but there's but know, there's there's, there's are, a couple there's a couple different arguments right so on the one hand I don't see Peter Schwartz really as making an ad hominem about Snowden in order to get you to think that what the NSA is doing is okay. I mean, he called it reprehensible. So I take him at his word about that. And he described why he found it reprehensible. But where maybe you could talk about an ad hominem a little bit is in judging Snowden's actions with respect to these revelations he is looking at characteristics of Snowden or even characteristics of Glenn Greenwald that I don't believe are at all are relevant to judging what Snowden did in this case. So, for example, he talks about how Snowden used to like Ron Paul, or he talks about how Glenn Greenwald was this horrible socialist, and here's some things that Glenn Greenwald signed on to. And when yeah, you yeah, say, that's okay, all ad hominem. Right, that is ad hominem. So, so, so that, that's the level that you meant, but I, I don't see... I don't see Peter Schwartz making the same ad hominem type of argument that other people have made where they also agree with the NSA program. So Greg Gutfeld, inexplicably to me, I really like Greg Gutfeld and I hate him on this issue because he said, look, I'm a libertarian, but I make this exception because we have to be safe from the terrorists and they have to find, in order to find the needle in the haystack, they have to have the haystack. Lousy. It's a horrible argument because, you know, the government does not have a right to put us in a haystack. And we are not, is, we are not that, just another brick that, in the wall, right? That, that I think that, uh, you know, if you, if you look at the, the technical ideas, I think back in uh, 99, 2000, kind of when this idea came up, the idea that, well, if we just collect everything, there's a chart. Uh, that was in an article I read the other day, you know, uh, collect everything, look at everything, right. analyze everything. Um, that was kind of General Alexander's uh, 
philosophy, along with a few people who work with them, that, you know, we now have the capability to collect everything, so let's do it, and then we'll, we'll use big data analytics to go into it and tease out the threat. And I think one of the things that let, <clears throat> the universe has shown is it just doesn't work. I mean, it just doesn't work. It, the signal-to-noise is so low, it's so low that you can't, it, it doesn't work. What you need to do is target. You know, if you know right. person X is a bad guy, yeah, follow right. person X and, and, and the people and, he talks to. Right, and you, and you need to target based on particularized suspicion regarding a real rights violation, right? Not, not holding particular beliefs about how we want to change government or things like that if they have completely legal means. So going after Tea Party people, this is not the kind of targeting that we're talking about. But if you've got particularized suspicion about individuals who are involved in crimes, and you have some, you know, we could debate about the level of cause. The word probable cause, there's a certain kind of meaning. Was it more likely than not you're going to find evidence relevant to a particular person? This is the kind of stuff they need to, to show before they yeah, should be yeah. able and, to and, target. And, and this is for Americans in America. This is not for Pakistanis in Pakistan or Syrians right, right. in Syria or Russians no. in Russia. This is for Americans right. in America. As far as I'm concerned, the NSA should spy on the Iranians and the Pakistanis and the, you know, and spies have the crack, the crack out of it. And of course, the NSA, of course, is a completely toothless organization, right? I mean, all they do is collect and analyze. The, the problem, the other problem is that they're giving this information collected illegally about American citizens to a large number of three-letter federal agencies, almost all of whom are illegitimate, like the IRS and the EPA and the DEA right. and the ATF and the HSI, all of these. And, and no some of them are buying these. guns. Some of them are buying guns, and you're thinking, why? They're not. I was going to say, you see these stories, too. There was supposedly some executive order that Obama signed about being able to use force, military force against domestic disturbances. Did you see this story yes. the other day? Yeah, so, it's, it's the Eric Holders, not the general. General Alexander is wrong, and I, I'm, you know, I, I, you know, did respect him before this, but he's wrong. But Eric Holder is dangerous. I mean, Eric right. Holder and the minions that he has at all of these myriad illegitimate agencies with billions of rounds of ammunition and lots of assault rifles and tanks. These are the guys that are the the potential new SS. Um, right, and right. and that's. You know, those are the people who've got to keep the eye on. Okay, so one last thing, and that's, that's about the list, the Greenwald list. Right. I, you know, I'm not on the list. You're not on the list. Bosch is not on the list. They don't care about that. But the problem is, my guess is that there are journalists, politicians, and mm. judges who mm. are on the list. Mm. Now, in, you, you know what I mean? Because we rely on them. I mean, Robert, I, I know Supreme the Court. Those are power. Robert, know, Supreme yeah. Court. Yeah, so that's that's the story that would topple this administration. If if, if if it turned out that, I mean, it might it doesn't have to be Roberts, but if it were Roberts, it would be the end of the world, right? But uh, it, it, even any federal judge or or state level judge or, or or politician or whatnot, you know, if if Ted Cruz is on the list, if Rand Paul is on the list, if Ron Paul is on, I don't like Ron Paul. I, I don't know right. why anybody likes Ron Paul. The man's completely incoherent. Have you ever talk, listened to him talk? He's crazy. He he's um, incoherent. It's it's the it's the clock, you know, the wrong clock that's right twice a day or whatever. Yeah. It's, right. It's the who guards the guardians. If they're on the list, if if the if the if the people who are supposed to 
check the power of government. The government. Um, yes. But like like judges or or politicians, especially you know would be politicians or um, or journalists are on the list. That's that's really the end of the world. It it really is. It means that you know that. Yeah. We, we haven't gotten any decent coverage in the American press of this at all, a little bit from the Washington Post, but, I mean, a little teeny. I mean, it's all been the British press, this whole thing. I mean, right. it's not just The Guardian, but it's the Daily Mail. And, uh, you know, it's the, only, the only free press we have in America today are the British press, which is really very hot. And thankfully um, we're able to access them via the, the Internet. So I'm going to uh, – what we'll do is we'll defer more discussion about the list until we actually see the list come out. And, again, I don't know any timing on when this list comes out, but let's discuss that list, Ed, and call back in and let's talk about it when it's actually released and see what we can learn from it and see if you're right. I will. Okay. Have a great Sounds weekend, good. both of you. Thank thanks, you. You too, Ed. Thanks for calling in again, and thanks for waiting over the break to have more of a discussion with us. So let's try and get through some of this. Now, I'm wondering if over here at the Blog Chalk Blog Talk Radio chat room, if we're missing anything. Half the staff at ARI and Reason Magazine could be on the list, says Elliot Rivera. If Ed, who just called in, is, is right, then maybe they're not going to go after those people. It's more going to be the politicians and, and But I also understand they're ideological opponents, and there's nobody better than that. Yeah, I mean, then, then really, really, it's going to be interesting to see who's on it that list, be. and I'm, I'm looking forward to that list coming out. Again, if anybody has a date, let us know. Post it over here at the Blog Talk Radio chat room. Let me get through some of these other stories and what I had in mind. I did put a link to Rand Paul has some recent commentary on the Founding Fathers would have protected your smartphone. There's a couple cases coming before the court right now about privacy in your smartphone. Is your smartphone the equivalent of a paper or effect using the words of the Fourth Amendment? Rand Paul argues that it is. It's not a super, super sophisticated argument. It's decent, pretty good. Go check it out. I did put a link also to, and I'm sighing because this is Obama we're about to talk about. I put a link to his full remarks that he gave at West Point the other day. I did not watch it. I didn't watch any of the clips. I heard that it was widely criticized, and I went over and looked at the text of it. Yeah, from left and right. And, yeah, it was it was criticized by both the left and the right. Now, what was the criticism that you heard from the left, Bush? I think just incoherent. I okay. think they want a more articulate rat than an inarticulate one. And I think he was just going completely left and right, contradicting himself within a sentence or two, a paragraph. And they were like, I, they couldn't follow it. You, you, def, you definitely see that because they say, well, we shouldn't get involved, and yet we should give resources to these people. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he talks about essentially – But also his war against the straw men. And those who think the military is useful for every single situation, who says that? Nobody right, says that. Right, It's right. an easy, cheap shot. So incoherent argument techniques. I think one of the things that I heard discussed was this paragraph where he's talking about exceptionalism. Mm -hmm. And he says, I believe in American exceptionalism <laughs> with every fiber of my being. Anyone who has to say that does not believe in it, is an enemy of it, and he's also a critic of it, 2009, well, if you recall. He, well, then, he, then he just says, let me redefine exceptionalism. Yeah, exactly. He says, he says, but what makes us exceptional oh. is not our ability to flout international norms <laughs> and the rule of law. It's what we don't do. It is our willingness to affirm them through our actions. Now, first of all, Flouting international norms these days, I think, is an awesome and good Absolutely. thing. He repeatedly talks in there about the fact that sometimes we're going to act unilaterally when we have to in our self-defense, but then he says, don't, you know, uh, don't flout international norms. So what is he talking about? Back and then 
who in the hell is he to talk about the rule of law yes. when he says, I've got my pen and the phone, and yeah. then, you know, if they're not going to legislate for me the way I want, I'm just going to... Law gonna is a weapon to him. Whip That's those all it out. Is. It's a weapon against us. And he says he's going to continue to push to close Gitmo. Dude, if he wanted Gitmo closed, he could have had it closed by now. He says, American values and legal traditions do not permit the indefinite detention of people beyond our borders. Um, I mean, what what little I've heard, what little I've read, I can't stand it. New restrictions on how America collects and uses intelligence, Uh uh-huh, putting in place. What Putting in place is such vague, darn language, it's garbage. Um, We'll have fewer partners and be less effective if perception takes hold that we're conducting surveillance. I think leftists couldn't cheer it, so they panned it. They're like, oh, man. It's not a great speech. I'm not excited by it, so it sucked. I don't know why, but it didn't get me excited. We don't stand for stability or the absence of conflict, no matter the cost. We stand for a more lasting peace that can only come through opportunity Uh, and freedom for people everywhere. Um, One of the things that he says earlier in the speech, he's talking about... And he drones on for how long? I mean, forget uh, about it. It's so long. It's so long. And typically what I find is he says a bunch of boring stuff that is so vague that you can't really question it more in the beginning. And then he starts saying more questionable things later, like... The oh, yeah, idea that a huge security threat is climate change. Yeah. And he implies that one of the things that we have to help with is that we have to give financial support so that people can accept refugees from climate events. Climate so it's events. not just helping with refugees from, you know, terrorist or totalitarian, so, so brutal regimes. Yeah, the, some sort of climate event is going to cause refugees. That's how bad the climate is going to get. Oh, yeah, I mean, take them in. You know, again, I'm, I'm with Alex Epstein on this, that the best way to deal with climate issues is to have a free economy so that people can afford the housing, the HVAC, all the things that make us able to weather the climate, proper housing, HVAC. That is how you weather any change in climate regardless of what it's being caused by you don't say oh it's going to be so bad people are just going to have to be refugees to other countries why not have them thrive and live where they are and enjoy being where they are because we have a free economy but no no it couldn't be that and you know he talks about democracy democracy over and over and over again they want to rip the whole idea that we are a republic or that we were out of our history I, I don't know. You know, he says, uh, you're, you're part of a team that extends beyond your units or even our it's armed really... forces. For in the course of your service, you will work as a team with diplomats and development experts. You know, in addition to You'll get danger... to know allies and train partners. And, oh, and he talks please. about that a lot in there. You know, Afghanistan, partners, how we're training partners. partners. Collective, collective, collective. Partners yeah. in Afghanistan yeah. have shot our yes, troops and killed our troops. So. They're not allies. They're all, it's all lies. But anyway. Despite the fact that how dangerous he is, he's absolutely insufferable. I mean, he really is. It's unbearable to listen to this or even watch him. Well, and here, here's another thing that I simply can't understand at all, is that in the past he's said, we've decimated Al-Qaeda. Mm. And he meant by decimate that we have reduced Al-Qaeda to one-tenth of its I'm not sure if he – no, no, no. That was election year. So what he tried, what he tried to suggest is that he wiped them out. Well, that's he, what the, he wasn't no, being explicit okay, about, okay, about the 10%. Okay, right, right, right. But what I'm saying is, if, if, 
if um, if it was decimated, that is actually sort of impressive. But what decimate actually means <laughs> is that you've taken away only 10% yeah. of it, and so it's like 90% okay, of Okay, I it. thought you were saying that's what he intended to say. That no, he only take a, okay. no, no, okay. no. I'm sorry. So what I don't understand is how that word decimate made its way into this speech again, again. here. Well, they don't learn from their mistakes, these idiots. They don't. They just don't learn from their mistakes, and his speechwriters are hacks. Yeah. They're young punks. Yeah, so this is what he said. He's trying to say, you know, the landscape has now changed. You know, it used to be that there was, you know, the big wars and troops in Iraq and blah, blah, blah. And he says, the landscape has now changed. We've removed our troops from Iraq. We're winding down our war in Afghanistan. Al-Qaeda's leadership on the border region between Pakistan and Afghanistan has been decimated. Mm-hmm. De- decimate doesn't mean what no. he thinks it means. No. Why does he still have it in his speeches? Because he's, he's not that bright. Him? He got some young punk hacks. That's it. Make it sound good. Uh, decimate sounds like it's extreme. So anyway, he, term. he's talking a lot about working with coalitions. He's talking about, with respect to nuclear weapons, making sure that they are secure, secure. whatever the hell that means. What a vague, uh, non-committal term. So he's, he's allowing a country that says death to America for the last 30 years to have a nuke. He's as allowing long, them. As, as long as, as, long it's, as secure. it's quote secure. Yes. Which, yeah. I, I mean, he seems to leave open that it could be. A country that says death to America will use nukes. They will not hold them to blackmail any country. They'll use them. And I kind of wonder if part of his talk about the fact that not every, not everything is a nail, you know, our military is a hammer, blah, blah. Uh. I, I wonder if he's trying to set up the idea that if Iran does attack Israel, that we're not going to help them in some way. If Obama's here? Yes. Yes, we, we would not. Because his whole thing is, well, they brought it on themselves type thing. I mean, you know. This guy's been uh, told to hate Jews his entire life. Right. right. Anyway, the Obama speech definitely disappointing, and it's not disappointing. You don't think so? No, it's disappointing that he's president. That she, a president okay. says America would say that, but this is to, to be expected. Incoherent idiocy. What was good is that I heard only twenty-five percent of the West Point graduate audience gave him a standing ovation. Okay. So 75% chose not to stand Excellent. and Excellent. applaud him at the end, which I think like is... Those who, like those who, like Americans who support him, I think it's only about 25% who actually support him today. Tammy Bruce's view, sounding retreat at West Point. She found his speech as conveying such weakness about our foreign policy that he's basically sending the message to what she calls misogynistic tyrants, mm-hmm. like you have Boko Haram, right, with yeah. the... He's, he's saying you guys can get away with oh, yeah. anything. Yep. That's the that's the have message. at it. Right. He goes, I don't give a damn for this country, just like you do. I'm not a, a terrorist, but you know, I'll open up for you guys. Don't worry about it. She says, uh, and, and actually, this is the Washington Post criticism that she's quoting here because she was, I think, she was also struck by the fact that the Washington Post, liberal newspaper criticism, New York Times also. They said, Mr. Obama said the United States should act unilaterally only in defense of a narrow set of core interests, such as the free flow of trade. This binding of U.S. power places Mr. Obama at odds with every U.S. president since World War II. In effect, he ruled out interventions to stop genocide or reverse aggression absent a direct threat to United States homeland or a multilateral initiative, end quote. Now, I know what the Post is getting at. The Post is getting at the fact that we should save everybody <laughs> in the right. world all the time. So I, I don't think that Tammy necessarily wants that implication. No. But it's like when, when, when Rat Damon uh, criticizes Obama, he's not left enough to him. That's why, that's why he criticizes him. Right. He's not left enough. Right. So he needs 
to they they want Obama to say, well, we'll go to humanitarian. They want, they want to be the policemen of the world, even though they 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 hate that when Republicans in charge. Well, and and to say that you would actually fight on behalf of keeping markets free, they don't like that right. at all. And he said that a few times in his thing. As if he actually believes that. Um, but you know the the other thing that I wanted to point out in here, and, and uh, Tammy was talking about how basically the terrorists and just Muslims generally are getting more brazen around the world. Why? Because they know that we're not going to do anything except for maybe a hashtag campaign. No, they have an ally in the White House. Right. And so in uh, right now in Sudan, we have Maryam Ibrahim. She is, I believe, the 25-year-old woman who just had her baby. They made her have her baby in prison in shackles for the crime of not renouncing her Christian faith and adopting Islam as her faith. This is what's going on in the Sudan. Can I just tell you uh, this one thing, my, my take on it? Mm-hmm. I wrote it on Facebook. I said, the American's wife in, in Sudan, the one who's to be killed for leaving Islam, I think she, she's an apostate. She adopted a Christianity from her husband, her American husband, uh, who, who gave birth to her baby with her legs in shackles. Her jailers and excited executioners aren't quote-unquote Muslim extremists, but simply Muslims acting in accordance with Islamic law. These are not terrorists, but officials of the, of the Sudanese government. This is Islam. That's Islam. These right. are not Al-Qaeda, right. not the Muslim Brotherhood. This is just the Sudanese government, an Islamic government. And how much would you want to bet that if Obama wanted to do something about it, he could have done something of about it and also, had this woman isn't, free? Isn't his quote-unquote fellow American, fellow Christian, right? I mean, right. You know, he talks about everything, right? Exactly. But what is Obama keeping himself busy doing? And Besides this, golfing? This link that I put, again, go to my blog, don'tletitgo.com for program notes, links to all the things that we talk about today. One of the things that I found when I went to go looking for Obama's remarks at West Point was this. I guess it was today that Obama goes and gives this little speech, remarks by the president with the, quote, my brother's keeper task force. There's a task force called my My brother's brother's keeper. And what you do about this, what what, what he's created, he thinks, is a platform. And this is how he describes it. He says, I assign a process for us to inventory everything that's already being done to help young boys of color and men of this color. This uh, the president to, of United America yes, talking. Men of color to succeed, to have every agency from Justice Department to Education to HUD to USDA race look, based to look at how they could contribute to the process to make sure that we've got the best data possible, and then report back to me so we can have a plan of attack. So they're basically trying to do things action on to benefit certain brothers. That's right. Brothers of the approved races, the yes. non-privileged races, right? Unbelievable. Anyway, just go take a look at that. This is what this is what Obama is doing instead of saving a woman in the Sudan. And uh, a couple other links over there. One is just a quick Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell tells Mitch McConnell. tells the GOP, "Quote: Our average voter is not John Galt." And then, of course, the subtext is, "You know." <laughs> I'm so glad that the average voter is not John Galt, because then I might actually have to do my job. He thinks the average voter is Peter Keating. That's why he wants to placate them. He wants to become them. In a a speech to the Conservative American Enterprise Institute, he said the Republicans have often lost sight of the fact that our average voter is not John Galt. He said this tendency was a natural outgrowth of the GOP's emphasis on free market and business, but, you know, he said one that helped to cement the party's elitist image on an electoral level. Go ahead and check it out for yourself. I think it is great that McConnell has to actually yeah. face 
the idea of a John Galt, which I don't think was happening before. Uh, A couple other things. One is we're still waiting for word on whether the Oklahoma governor, Fallon, whom we talked about last week, thanks to Rob Abiera, whether she is going to sign the legislation that repeals Common Core standards. If I have any say about it, I vote. Governor Fallon, please do it. You would serve as an example for so many governors around the country to do the first step in taking back our individual control over our children's education. I think it should be out of the hands of government entirely, government at all levels, but this is a very important first step. And finally, last link, five reasons why everyone is suddenly putting butter in their coffee. We had some butter coffee here on the air. Bosch made it a little while ago. No, I had a little coffee with my butter. A little coffee with your butter. Definitely go check that out and start, see what you think of it. And go post about it over at the Don't Make Let Make sure it blender. Don't just let it sit in the coffee. Facebook. Blend it. Yeah. We are, we are out of time, everyone. We're Thanks for joining us today. Go to Don't Let It Go Unheard. Or actually, yeah, Don't Let It Go Unheard on Facebook. Go to DontLetItGo.com, my blog, if you want to continue the discussion. And we will talk to you guys next week. Those of you here live on Blog Talk Radio, hang out, and we'll talk in a few. Okay, as we did with last week, we're hanging out just for a few minutes afterwards because otherwise, here at Blog Talk Radio, people get kicked out. Can I, can I have an update with yeah. uh, Marvel Comics' uh, Muslim superhero, Miss Marvel? Definitely. I read the latest issue, issue four, and I've been—I'm uh, I'm not a fan of the thing. I'm—I'm like—I'm acting like a watchdog, like a one-man watchdog about what Marvel's doing, promoting Islam at the expense of the truth and at the expense of of, of the country. We're we're at war with those who are in sync with Islam. But anyway. Uh, I wrote, I said, we, we find out in issue four of Marvel Comics, the Muslim Super comic book, that her costume is a quote-unquote burkini, and she refers to it as such, a burkini. That's something that's been, you know, in, in the media lately. It, it covers the entire body, and so that's her costume, and, and we finally get to meet a bad guy in the series. How do you know he's a bad guy? Because he wears a pink and yellow wife beater with the words, I'm a bad guy on his, on his, on his shirt. I said, after all, the unwarranted high... For the book with liberal reviewers falling over themselves to talk it up in, in embarrassingly glowing, glowing terms as if their lives depended on it. Readers are left with a mediocre story and art about a character who's a member of a religion that's motivating those who are at war with the civilized world. It's just a sick thing. It really is. Right, right. Over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio, we've got Gustav saying it's 11 p.m. in Sweden, time to go to bed. Gustav, thank you for tuning Thanks, in live. Gustav. I appreciate definitely it. appreciate that. And uh, Elliot likes our little show after the show. We have to do Thanks, this. Thanks, everyone. As you probably know, Elliot, because I know Elliot does some stuff here on Blog Talk as well, that they are people are being kicked out right yeah, after the show that. is other otherwise. So we, we want to... love to hear the follow comments. We always appreciate it. Definitely do. And I want to go over here to Facebook because I know that Rick, who called in earlier, in the earlier part of the show, posted a follow-up con- uh, comment. So we'll check out that. Um, Mark Wallace thinks that he's on the NSA list. I guess we'll find out whether that when that's published. And then if we go over here to the Don't Let It Go On Her It popped our bubble, though. I mean, you know, it's very possible. Go after the powerful. Put them in check. Yeah, so The Intercept 
uh, is the project that Glenn Greenwald is going to do, and Rick Wilms posted the link directly to that project over at the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook. Facebook is doing some weird stuff again. They are reformatting the pages. If you try to share something from your page to your personal profile, it makes you jump through more hoops than it used to. I think they don't like the multiple sharing. Very, very strange over there, but we'll figure it out. But, yeah, do follow the page. The Really, the very best way, if you want to keep in touch, though, is to subscribe to my blog over at DontLetItGo.com because Facebook is kind of flaky sometimes. No. You could be a subscriber to my Don't Let It Go on her page on Facebook and sometimes never see a post that I put there. And it's just mysterious the way that that happens. So definitely go over to my blog. You can also follow on Blog Talk Radio if you just are interested in the show. <laughs> James says, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Oh, wait, that's here. So it's the 5 o'clock. Oh, margarita. They're talking about margaritas now. Alcohol during alcohol during the after party. Hmm. Happy hour. Someone that John Boehner does every hour. Every hour is happy hour. The other one you wonder about is uh, Beckel on, on Oh, five. absolutely. He slurs the words. The old day he called one of his uh, co-hosts, uh, uh, I think called a, a traitor. traitor, right? Called a traitor. He said, what you're saying is treasonous. She was critical of Obama's speech. He, called, he said what she said was treasonous. I mean, that's hilarious. And I think they took great exception to it and like, whoa, 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 James, this old trunk. James Stahl in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio is right, though, about that speech. It was completely incoherent. You know, how, how do you on the one hand say American is exceptional, meaning that it's somehow. America unto itself is. And then he says, no, no, no it's only because we aren't flouting something. That's what makes us exceptional. Well, and, and we're exceptional because we adhere to the norms of the group. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Because we we are becoming more like the world, uh, and that's no Obama in a lot of ways has brought the world into America like no president ever has. As a fact, he has he has made us more like Europe, more like the world, which is tragic that he was allowed to. I mean, it's absolutely tragic. Definitely, definitely. Anybody else? Uh, someone says, did anyone hear Bloomberg's speech no. at the Harvard graduation? Did you? No. I wonder if he criticized their drinking of sodas and smoking of cigarettes. I hope they were drinking sodas and smoking in the audience. I would have a big gulp. Absolutely. Right there in the front row. I would love to With a big fat cigarette, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, definitely. Well, thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone. I just wanted to hang out for a couple. I didn't have any particular agenda. But thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk to all of you guys next week. I'm looking forward to it. Okay? Thanks, everyone. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.